Hi guys, welcome back to another, I guess, more short form podcast episode. So this is the Keep Smiling podcast and my name is Lara Becker and I realised that I never actually introduced myself. So hi, my name is Lara and today we are going to have another brief little discussion specifically regarding the misconceptions commonly associated with eating disorders. As you can imagine, there are hundreds and thousands of misconceptions consistently bombarded to individuals on a regular basis And I think people generally don't understand, they don't kind of genuinely want to comprehend the true reality of the illness, they don't want to actually take into consideration the true turmoil, the true emotional fatigue that comes in association with this diagnosis. So yeah, I just wanted to have a brief chit chat to hopefully enlighten you of some of the stigmas and stereotypes and try to, you know, have a little chat and hopefully provide a little bit of guidance as to what actually the truth is. So starting off with the statement, people thinking that it's a choice and people thinking that these individuals are just attention seeking. So the true reality is there are severe underlying psychological factors that have driven this person, it could be you, it could be a loved one, to take part in the self-destructive behaviours. It's a complex, devastating illness, not personal choice. And I think that's one that can kind of be a podcast discussion in itself with people assuming that, you know, this deficit, this, you know, life-sucking illness is something that we've decided to do because of um, vanity, because of a choice, because, you know, it's trendy. I I don't know, whatever some, some people may assume, but this is a mental illness, this isn't a physical illness. Okay, yes, on some occasions there may be physical symptoms and, you know, visual symptoms that people can recognise. But fundamentally, the trigger and the cause and the underlying comes from the psyche, comes from the mind, comes from that mindset. And that mindset, therefore, has come to a place where it's disordered, where the way that it's perceiving the body, food, you know, mental health and, you know, coping mechanisms is not necessarily a healthy one. That hasn't been a choice. That hasn't something that we've just decided to do one day as we woke up in the morning. It's been deeply ingrained and therefore our behaviours, the way that we treat ourselves, the way that we treat others, the way that we perceive ourselves, our body, food, the way that we seek control has developed into this more complex, destructive way. So it is not a decision. It is not a choice. It is not a nice thing to do. You know, when I was severely anorexic, I was unhappy. I didn't want to be unhappy. But fundamentally, I was in such a emotionally fragile place that I had nowhere else to go to. That I was solely seeking this anorexic identity and I became engulfed and intoxicated by anorexia. You know, Lara was vanishing and anorexia became my identity. And that disorder only developed and only developed and only developed. So having people from an external perspective think that that's a choice is vastly offensive because this isn't a happy way to go about life. This isn't a happy format. It's not something you're doing for the sake of doing it. It has been emotionally ingrained within you and it's difficult and it's traumatic and it's difficult. So yeah, if you're listening in and you've just had the assumption that eating disorders are something that people just wake up one morning and think, you know what, that's a good that's a good thing to undergo. That is absolutely not the case. So it's not a choice. There are underlying psychological factors that need to be recognized and appreciated and respected. And, you know, 
just just know that just just appreciate that it's a lot more complicated than it may seem another one that i'm sure you were prepared for me to discuss about um the assumption that you need to be underweight to have an eating disorder or you need to have a bmi that's staggeringly low to receive a diagnosis of an eating disorder but the thing is individuals can be overweight can have a normal quote-unquote bmi you know can be overweight and authentically, the scary thing about this is that this misconception of this weight distortion, you know, can contribute to delayed diagnosis or even misdiagnosis. So therefore, these individuals that are struggling with disordered mindsets with, you know, developing eating disorder can be missing out the, of the opportunity of essential early intervention because there's that assumption that they're not worthy for a diagnosis because their weight isn't staggeringly low. And in a way, it's kind of a little bit ironic that I'm the one mentioning this because if you think about it, I was a young, privileged teenage girl with anorexia and I was very underweight. So I am very much aware that I am a stigma. I'm very much aware that I kind of painted the very repetitive portrayal of an eating disorder. But I'm trying to utilize my platform now to allow the listeners, to allow this audience to recognize that that is just not the only case. My weight initially never fell to a place where it was chronic. My weight never initially fell to a place where I had intervention recognized. You know, I struggled with disordered eating from the age of 11. You know, it was more of an orthorexic mindset. It was more um, exercise addiction. It was body dysmorphic disorder. And even with bulimic tendencies, because there was that habitual, habitual kind of routine of binging, of purging, of generally of just eating in a disordered way that didn't necessarily correspond immediately to my weight dropping significantly there was never that recognition there was never that appreciation it was only when you know I was 14 15 when the weight really started to take a hit when I started implementing my life into this more anorexic identity as you know my mental health um, diminished as my mental health kind of went into a more aggressively low and depressive state you know, where I was almost craving this sense of control and therefore that was the weight loss. But initially that was never appreciated, even though I had the eating disorder very early on, because my weight stabilized, it, it you know, it, you know, who cares? That's that's not an eating disorder. But but no, that is so dangerous and is so scary. And I know so many people that I've asked for help that have been putting their hands out, that have shouted and wanted support because they can recognise that their mind is going in a way that's rather distorted. But they've been prevented this early intervention, which is hugely essential and hugely necessary because their weight isn't low enough. You know, I was prevented tr- hospital treatment initially because my weight wasn't considered low enough. And because, you know, my BMI had to be under 13 to be recognised by CAMS. And that is so devastatingly destructive and horrendously dangerous. So let's please try to minimise the stigma. Let's please try to minimise, you know, anyone telling you that you are less worthy of treatment, of intervention, just because you are not visually anorexic. You can be any weight and still be extremely ill mentally and physically and therefore be deserving of help, of intervention, of medical support, of psychological support. Um, Another, you know, repetitive stigma that I'm seeing on a consistent basis is the fact that people assume that only young women can experience eating disorders. But in reality, eating disorders affect people of all genders, ages, races, ethnicities, 
body shapes, weights, sexual orientations, and socioeconomic statuses. There are so many individuals that are struggling with eating disorders. And it doesn't matter about their backgrounds. It doesn't matter about their image. It doesn't matter about their religion, their sex, their age, their weight. It is multifaceted and there is no one size fits all. Everyone can be susceptible. So just because somebody is a different gender, just because somebody has a different sexual orientation doesn't mean that they may struggle with disordered eating or eating disorders or anorexia or bulimia or orthorexia or exercise addiction. Anyone can have anything. For example, one thing that always confused me, I know, gosh, how long ago? It was a few months back. I overheard somebody say that, well, men can't be anorexic. (laughs) What does that mean? What, what, What does that actually mean? you know, it, obviously my initial mindset goes to, okay, you're extremely ignorant. And, you know, you've probably had the pleasure of not experiencing eating disorders to know that agenda doesn't mean that you're allowed to, you know, suffer with an illness. Whoever you are, whoever you want to be, however you present yourself, that doesn't dictate the way that you're allowed to be diagnosed. Neither does that dictate society's perception of it. And I think that's something that's kind of difficult when you're having to kind of take external perspectives into view. You're thinking, oh gosh, I can't do that because they think that that doesn't exist for people like me. Or I'm this, so I can't have this. So just hopefully you can take into consideration that one illness doesn't dictate a gender or dictate a sexual orientation or dictate a way that somebody wants to present themselves anyone can suffer anything and therefore anyone and everyone is deserving of support of care of early intervention to be able to get them to a healthy place another one i think this is very very classic that people assume that eating disorder behaviors exclusively focus on food but the thing is you know symptoms can often extend far beyond food far beyond scale weight, far beyond, you know, an individual wanting to adapt their body image. You know, behaviours also include this overriding sense of perfectionism, um, excessive exercise, body image dysmorphia, anxiety disorder, panic disorder, depression, isolation, withdrawal symptoms. I think this is all coming back into the association that this is truly a mental illness a psychological illness it's not just somebody deciding to eat in a different way or to behave um, with food or with exercise in a different way which seems to be the common misconception there are so many psychological factors you know confidence is taking a hit socials social events are taking a hit because you're almost becoming so isolated and withdrawn and suffocated in this bubble of anxiety There are so many other multifaceted symptoms that are associated to struggling with an eating disorder that doesn't just mean that you eat in a different way. You know, for myself, there was a huge matter of self-loathing and a huge, you know, insecurity and just absolutely zero self-confidence and self-worth being totally smashed to the floor. So there are so many other components and I think that's why my experience in myself made me very isolated and made me very socially anxious and made me extremely shy and complicated and you know even the perfectionism tendencies is something that I still really struggle with I think that's something that's massively been ingrained with me because this has been an over 10 year period now so yeah just hopefully take into consideration that 
eating disorders don't just mean somebody wants to eat more, eat less, or move more or move less. It's it's not those two very simplistic symptoms. There's so many complicated areas that people seem to miss out on. You know, if you're an individual that struggled with eating disorders, you can totally understand, you know, I'm sure everyone else can have an, an opinion and an explanation as to what other symptoms they were, you know, struggling with at that time. If it was, you know, social anxiety, if it was panics at school, if it was, you know, difficulty in the workplace or body image issues or, you know, different places being triggering for them. It's a lot more complicated than the external eye can often tell. And another point that is almost similar to the previous, where people assume that the only symptom of an eating disorder and the only output of an eating disorder is weight loss. But the thing is, symptoms also include severe dehydration, hair loss, absent or irregular periods, fatigue, digestive issues, tooth decay, um, osteoporosis, gum disease, heart failure. It's not a pretty situation to be in. And I know for myself, I had a experience with all of those, you know, examples that I stated. Um, hair loss. If you have been following my content, you would have known a few years ago, I actually decided to shave my whole head because my hair became so unhealthy and so weak. Um, and I was getting to a point where it was coming so wispy and brushing, it was almost triggering because all the hair would fall out in the meantime. And in association to that, my nails got really brittle. Um, and, you know, with the conversation of absent or irregular periods, obviously your hormones are taking a huge hit when your body is going through this really destructive time. Um, and from my experience, I lost my period for almost two years. Um, and that's just your body in this fight or flight situation. Um, fatigue is obviously a huge one, you know, energy and food and maintaining healthy lifestyle is something that is not necessarily in the top of your go-to list. And you know, struggling with osteoporosis and brittle bones, just because you're not getting the required vitamins, you're not getting, you know, the daily recommended intake of nutrients, getting those symptoms are very realistic. You know, heart failure, yes, because your body is not healthy, because you're in this really tragic state where your body is not thriving. So, you know, a lot of these symptoms and a lot of these adverse effects of disordered eating is, is very common. Um, and, you know, I hate to put a downer on this conversation. I mean, granted, it's not been the most lighthearted conversation ever, isn't it? Um, but obviously death is another very, very common circumstance that some individuals where it gets to the more extreme elements of struggle, struggling with you know disordered eating this can occur and this does occur scarily on a very frequent and regular basis so yeah that's another misconception that I think people have this regurgitated you know mentality towards that if you have an eating disorder you just lose a bit of weight and that's it because you've you know, mucked about with food in a little bit of a stranger way than the general person society would. No, realistically, that person is psychologically damaged and there are some circumstances and symptoms that can come as a result of these behaviours and this addictive behavioural tendency development that can be extremely dangerous. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of another one, but I think they are almost the top 
that I think I feel that I get on a very consistent basis that people assume and people have an opinion towards and it's really sad and it's really close-minded and it's really ignorant um so hopefully this conversation you know you could even send towards somebody or deliver it onwards to hopefully enlighten them about the true reality and the fact that this is not a one-size-fits-all this is not a choice this is not a simplistic nor straightforward circumstance to be a part of and you are worthy of support, you are worthy of love, you are worthy of intervention, you are worthy of gaining the required treatment, no matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter the severity of the eating disorder, no matter anything. Fundamentally, it all comes down to this one for early intervention so we can prevent it from getting to those destructive stages. So hopefully maintaining this conversation of these misconceptions and hopefully providing some light on the truth can inspire that. Um, And I guess that is what I almost wanted to talk about today so hopefully that was beneficial for some people um I know I've been doing a lot more short form episodes but I think some people have been enjoying it more of a bite-sized discussion and hopefully you know continuing this discussion and making sure we're all maintaining this you know knowledge to hopefully help each other help others and help ourselves in the meantime um so yeah give me a message if you have any other you know misconceptions that you've you know, could be aware of or you have experienced in yourself. And hopefully we can have a little discussion and maybe I can share it on the platform to ensure that people are aware and ensuring people are understanding the true reality, the true complexity, the true, you know, dissimplicity. <laughs> Is that a word? <laughs> Probably not. You know, how actually this goes for us and how difficult it actually is. Um, so yeah, I hope everyone's doing okay. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I know it was kind of a bit all over the place, but hey, this is the Keeps Madden podcast. I think you should know that by now. Um, so yeah, I hope you found this conversation interesting or enlightening or productive in some way, shape or form. I will talk to you in the next episode. Believe in your own strength and keep smiling. Bye.